What's Up ABQ is a proud member of the Barillas Podcasters Guild. I'm Chris. And I'm Ryan. And this is season three of What's Up ABQ. Welcome back to What's Up ABQ. I am Ryan. And I am Chris. And this is the first episode of season three. And today we have Erin O'Donnell with Dovetail Community Workshop. Awesome. And you know, it's been too long. The last time we talked, the world had changed. It was it was a different place back in the olden times before the event. So what's, what's changed with, with, with you, with, with Dovetail? What What's going on now? Um, we're still here. We're thrilled to have made it this far. We're in our third year now, which is super exciting. Nice. And that's our third year of offering, um, you know, local makers a place to do their woodworking and have access to tools they may need. Also access to expert assistance and woodworking classes. So obviously most of what we do is in person and we've had to navigate that and try to pivot and adapt as best we can. So really we've had to adapt again as we did last spring, but we're pretty thrilled that this year has still been going strong with um, a lot more people discovering us and discovering how much fun it is to to make stuff themselves. What I want to know is is uh, you guys recorded that show about uh, about a year ago, and you yeah. were expecting to learn to master you know lathe woodworking. Did you do that? Ah, uh, yes. Well, master no, <laughs> but improve yes. <laughs> I did. I did listen. I did. Yeah, I did listen to that old episode, and you made a comment that really struck a chord with me. You were like, "Just go watch some videos of people working wood on a lathe, and you'll just sit there for hours." And that is very true. <laughs> was that right? Oh no, I, it's I absolutely the truth. I knew that before you. Yeah, you told me to go do that because I mean, I've watched stuff like that. I'm like, Good. yeah, you know, like how's it made? Where they made baseball bats, and I was just like, oh man, you know, it's so yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's really magical in a way. It's transformative and it's just, it's very jaw-dropping on some of the things they can do. And so I did, I did wind up doing a lot more small projects over the last year. And I'm still working my way up to some larger bowls, things like that. But I'm making sure not to go too long in between sessions because it's one of those things. It's a lot of muscle memory, weirdly. So Mm -hmm. it's really about how it feels, how it sounds. And so you're paying attention. It's very sensory to do wood turning in particular, which is fascinating. So, you know, maybe somebody's listening in and they haven't listened to the old episode yet. What is Dovetail? We're a woodworking makerspace. So if you understand the concept of makerspace, it's a shared space with shared tools. And there are other people there to help guide you in, you know, learning or using something that's maybe new to you. We are focused on woodworking. So we have table saws, drill presses, lathes, planer, joiner, sanders, and so on. And we have a 4,000 square foot shop. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, kind of North Central Albuquerque. We've been there, like I said, almost three years now. And what we're able to do is one big switch we made this year is we went to doing things by appointment. So that's actually been helpful where we know you know, who is coming in, what it is they're needing to do, and can be more prepared and available if someone uh, needs some extra guidance from us. And so when I say us, you know, it's myself and our staff of instructors and shop supervisors, 
we've got just almost it's not legally a co-op but it kind of has that feel sometimes okay so we have folks who also rent space from us for their own shop within the shop and those people we call them our residents and they're just so knowledgeable and so willing and cheerful about helping out so they you know unless they're super busy on their own projects they're almost always there to answer questions and demonstrate things so we're so glad to have built up this community that's part of our name for a very good reason because it's so much a community effort to help one another make things and make them better so with covid you see a lot of people uh learning how to make bread learning how to, you know, do these skills that they've never, you know, been able to have the time to do before. How much has that affected you guys where people are like, you know what, I think at home I want to do a lot of woodworking. Are people hitting you up and asking questions? Is that? Yeah, you're, you're really onto something um, because that has for sure been an unexpected bit of a windfall this year. What we've also found is people I think are sitting around their houses more looking at something going either, I want to replace that, I want to fix that, I want to know how to do it, and, and or, you know, something maybe they've lived with for a while and they're, they're got the time now, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but they do have the time now to address it. So we get a lot of calls like that. No, um, I, I, I totally get that. I, yeah. I, I was doing that, was it like two weeks ago? I was like, oh, that needs fixed and that's not right. And oh yeah, that broke when we moved. And so I, I, I totally get that. I know people are, um, you know, we're all pretty focused inward and I think wanting to make their spaces better. And it's a way for many people to, you know, make the best of a not so great thing. And so we're super happy to be able to facilitate some of that and help them, you know, either do a specific fix or project or a new thing. We will also do work for them. And we've had more and more folks bring us pieces to be repaired, to be duplicated, replicated, something that's just given out and they want a new version of it. So that has been something that has grown a lot for us this year. And and that's something we can certainly do without a lot of in-person contact. So we're grateful that more people are reaching out to us for those things. What if someone, like, what is the the, the level that your uh, experts are at? Like, do they, like, if I came in and said, hey, I want to learn how to do a, a Japanese joint, would, would someone there be able to teach that? If you came in and asked for Japanese-style woodworking, we would start you off with something a whole lot simpler. Because <laughs> that, that would be like... <laughs> that one is a little like, I've never skied before. This black diamond looks fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, but th- that's a great way for me to be able to say that, yeah, we definitely kind of guide people to start where they're at, find out where they're at, and uh, go from there. But... I believe, I don't want to like promise for everything, but the, the fact that our network has a lot of expertise within it okay. and people with different um, things that they do focus on, I'd be pretty confident that we could um, find you someone to partner with and okay. maybe even mentor and Wait, do that. So I, I would like to say, if I may, just a little bit quickly, I don't think I covered how kind of how it works with us so when people want to become members use the shop for their own things they will need to come in and do our safety orientation class and then they're eligible to go ahead with the membership but that being said yes you don't need any experience at all we like to know where you're at 
and we can even do some private one-on-ones to get you up to speed if there is a particular thing that you want to be able to do. Nice. Well, I remember last time we were there, and, and by the way, your location is, is amazing. And, and the things that you had out front, I remember uh, in the first little room you walk into, are just amazing that people have, have made, you know, here. You know, the first thing, I think I remember you saying, the first thing that people learn how to make uh, are what, cutting boards? Well, that is a, a really great entry-level project and that's a class we typically offer at least once a month nice. mm-hmm. so that is that's a very good gateway <laughs> and they gateway. were gorgeous too they uh, were like different patterns and woods and everything yeah yes multiple different woods and we do some of the mm, i would say the more advanced cutting ahead of time so that when people come to do the class we've got a little of that taken care of mm-hmm. but then they get to design their boards as you know lay them out how they want them, uh, and then go on and do the um, trimming up the edges and finishing and planing. So there's still a lot of hands-on they get to do. Using a router, kind of cutting all those. Yeah. So our last class, I had one couple. We have a lot of people come and do it as couples because we offer that as one of the options. And that's a fun one to do with a friend or a a partner just because it's – it's something you can take turns at and have a thing that you take home you did together and it's a nice little keepsake. So that one has been fun to do as a, a couple or group activity. But yeah, it's it's something that you can feel like you, I think all the skills involved in doing that are so rudimentary and they can be applied to so many other projects as well. So it's a very good starting object that's something you can take home and, and show off and Tell all your friends where you did it. So I don't know if, if I asked you this the first time around. Um, this is something that I've had a lot of fun asking our different interviews the end of uh, season two. Can you remember and describe for us the first thing that you ever made out of wood? First thing I made out of wood? Yeah. Good. And did it turn out okay? I should. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> the first things I made in wood, like I said, I started by refinishing and through that wanted to be able to make things as well. So the first things I did were like heavy duty sanding and it seemed like months of sanding. It probably wasn't, but not realizing how long that process really takes and it does take time. So I think probably the first things I made on my own, um, I do have one thing that's still on my mantle right now because of fall. And it was probably something I found on Pinterest. <laughs> and it was a, it's a wooden pumpkin, but it's made of slats. So I'll try to describe it. I have little one by one pieces of wood that are stacked up to make, so like there's short ones and then increasingly wider and then they narrow again at the bottom. So we've got a round-ish um, look. It's very, very country rustic looking. Then it has a base and it has a stem. I did that in kind of a distressed finish with some brown stain underneath and then some orange paint over top. And it's a little funky now when I look at it and I'm like, I would have done this and this and this differently, but it's kind of got its own charm. So it has, it has a mantle place in the fall still. Well, I get that. Like, you know, cause I, I also write and like, I've learned the things that are published. Don't go back to yeah. the manuscript because you'll want to start editing again. I know. And and Ryan, you may remember that in my past life I was also a writer. So Oh there yeah, um, that's right. I have absolutely learned that you've gotta apply that first draft concept to woodworking and really anything creative. You should have that first draft mentality that 
you're not really making the thing until you're kind of remaking it mm-hmm. and fixing it up and and adapting your flaws because every flaw can be a feature. Let me ask you this. So in in this day where a lot of the old style way of doing things has kind of become popular again, you have TV shows like Forged in Fire. How do you feel like they they could maybe come out with like a, a reality game show on, around woodworking? How, how well do you think that concept would work? I think a couple people are a little ahead of us on that already. Mm. And... Have you seen Making It? No. With Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler. Oh, yes, yes. So as as if they need promotion from me, but free plug <laughs> Nick and Amy. Yeah. You know, they're, of course, Nick Offerman is the modern day patron saint of woodworking. And yeah. if you know him from Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. It's Ron, Ron Swanson. Yeah. I actually watched um, a lot of Ron Swanson right before this interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, in real life. Mm-hmm. Nick is a legit woodworker. Oh, he yeah. runs, well, he and a kind of collective have a wood shop out in LA. They make custom builds and furniture and it's freaking amazing. So we love Nick. And so he took that love and, you know, he and Amy applied it to this reality show where they, it's not just woodworking, but it's, that's one part of it. So it's more crafting and all this other stuff. And I can't even compete with the people on that, on that show. Okay. They're all they're all so great. Yeah. I think it would be fun, though, if yeah. we, yeah, narrowed it down, because <laughs> I was a big fan of shows like um, Face Off, which is, you know, movie makeup. Oh, yeah. Great. It's great. Horror effects. Face yeah. Off was the bomb. And and shows like Forged and Fire and oh, all those. Yeah. Even, I love I nailed, still binge I love nailed it. They have a new one that's just like Forged and Fire, but it's uh, doing makeovers on dogs. Really? Oh, my God. What is it called? It's called Hot Dog, H-A-U-T-E. Okay. And it is the same concept, everything. So I was like thinking about the woodworking thing. They'd come out and they'd be like, okay, for the next three hours, you guys are going to make a chair. And they're all a normal chair. They're like, but wait for (laughs) it. Out of cedar. And they're like, (gasps) (gasps) yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a cooking show. Yeah. Well, no, we well, got to make it out of like the uh, yeah. New Mexican woods. Like I remember last time you were saying there's what there's hardly yeah. any any like decent like stuff like wood natural wood in New Mexico to use. There totally is. Yeah. Yes. First of all, um, Chris, I just want to tell you that if you can make a chair in three hours, I you're know, yeah. probably cheating or superhuman. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, a little advanced uh, work behind the scenes could be done. Yeah. However, one thing we teach our safety orientations we don't want to rush when no. we're doing this hey, work with the power tools on, hey, on forge of fire man they're, they're running around uh, you know with uh what, what, what is that thing I called the, the forge <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah this is this is no joke right <laughs> i'm surprised but, um, nobody's been yeah, seriously gotta, burned yet you know i know i think that um certainly you know we talk a little about youtube and there's tons mm-hmm. out there um to learn from i think um having it, it, it like that that competition show me what you've got mm-hmm. and People pushing each other to, to do their best is a lot of fun. And in fact, we've done it ourselves a little bit. We have had a couple of events we call the Scrapwood Derby. Okay. Oh, nice. And I think we talked about this before, Ryan. Yeah. And so we did do a little, it was a very light competition where we kind of had, it started because we had this huge pile of scrapwood and we said, okay, come in. You have X number of hours. I forget how many. Here's your materials. Make something. And then we just had a, a little fun, like we had a toilet paper sash for the winter and it was pretty good. 
So you know, but that's um, so fun. Like it is I remember- fun to kind of have that that cooking competition style. Yeah. It's tough because then you got to eliminate some processes you normally would do, like right. gluing up. Because when you glue things, and you got to wait a day. Yeah. Well, like mm-hmm. the creativity here in town is amazing. I remember the, our one of our last episodes, season two, we were over at uh, Gravity Bound, and it's all Earthship style, and it's, it's stuff they literally found on Broadway and like second by like just combing the streets. Right. And and so like to be able to take you know what most people think of as trash, you know, or right. do wood scraps or whatever, and to be able to make these amazing things like that. That's incredible. Yeah. I totally agree about that being so prevalent here in Albuquerque and in the community because there is just a, um, I have corrected a lot of people on this. I've probably hurt some feelings, but I'll have so many people come in and say to us so apologetically, well, I'm not artistic. Hmm. And I'll say, maybe, but you are creative because every person is creative. Hmm. That's just, it's a fact and everyone needs to accept it. You are creative. Everybody creates. It's a human, it's human nature. When people say I'm not artistic, they feel like they can't just pop off with something out of the top of their head that's Michelangelo. Okay, but you can create and it doesn't have to be uh, fancy or expert, but you've made it. And it's so satisfying to do that. So, yeah, found art, found treasures. We love upcycling everything. That's totally my idea. I love that there's examples everywhere you look here. And we're hoping to get to where we can do more collaborations when we can be around people again more. But things that we can cross over with other uh, types of making and disciplines and really start to weave that maker community even more tightly here. So let me ask you this. How awesome, and maybe this has or hasn't happened to you, where you have somebody come in and they're a complete noob to woodworking. They did, they're they shocked that there's different grit, sandpaper. And then, you know, a couple of years later, they can sit there and look at wood and know exactly what, what kind it is. How often does that happen? It does happen. And my poster child for that is someone who came to us literally two years ago. It was almost positive. It was November We did our Basics of Woodworking series, which is a four-part series. We make a box. It's awesome. And you learn to use pretty much everything in the shop when you do it. I'll I'll use his first name. His first name is Scott. Scott came to us, and he was always interested in woodworking. Hadn't really done much since high school shop. And believe it or not, there are still high schools with shop, but not very many. Anyway, so he's, you know, Scott, let's say, is maybe 20 years out of high school at that point. He's interested. He's got a, you know, a desk job like most people do now. He's like, I want to do something with my hands. He comes in. He's very meticulous. He's like the measure twice part. He gets right off the bat, which is (laughs) measure twice. Cut once. He's like, got it. I'm on it. I'm very careful. So he plans it out, makes a beautiful box. And then he becomes a member, which we loved. And he starts bringing in plans for this or that. He makes a beautiful end grain cutting board and kind of a checkerboard pattern. He makes a little adorable kitchen stool for his daughter that has rails to help her not fall off the back. Keeps leveling up. He keeps finding plans. He keeps buying his own tools. So he sets up shop at home. And then we missed him because we did such a good job that he went home and started doing everything. But he makes his own tools. (laughs) Yeah. So he just, he's like, I'm on it. And goes off and and we're like, you know, there goes our baby and and send him off into the world. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, this about four, three, four months ago, end of the summer, 
he calls and says, hey, we're moving. I'm not really going to have a place for my tools. Do you have an open space that I could rent? And it just so happened we had just um, lost someone who moved away. So Scott got to move in. And now he's been doing this for two years. He has an amazing array of tools and he has leveled up his skills. He's doing just some great projects right now. He built a huge workbench for himself and just continues to learn new things. But he's always coming and asking, you know, our more experienced folks too, hey, how would you do this? And it's helped him so much. And it's his happy place. You know, I just love that we took him from zero to now. At least we gave him a start. I really should say he did a lot of it on his own, but it, it lit that that fire. It's great to see. And I think the key is just knowing it's not about what you have done, but just do little things and, and keep bringing something a little a little extra each time and it, it builds and builds on itself. Well, that is an awesome story to hear, especially from somebody right here in Albuquerque. Um, we need to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Yay! The What's Up ABQ podcast is a partnership between the Borellis Podcasters Guild and amazing neighborhood businesses like Slow Burn Coffee Roasters at 821 Mountain Road Northwest, located in the Wells Park neighborhood. Slow Burn Coffee is a specialty roaster, sourcing and roasting nothing but specialty-grade seasonal blends. Buck the big coffee chains and fill your cup with a unique and satisfying daily dose of local joy. Get your Java fix on with Slow Burn Coffee Roasters, open daily from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. at 821 Mountain Road Northwest, on Instagram at Slow Burn Coffee. What's Up ABQ is proud to be sponsored by Daisy Sticker Company, fun stickers and affordable prices. Do you want your business, group or team on a decal, cup, pop socket or business card? Just contact Daisy Sticker on Instagram at Daisy Sticker Co. And now find them on Etsy at Daisy Sticker Co. 1. They'll print your artwork or design custom made artwork for you. Add the promo code podcast for 10% off your purchase. Daisy Sticker Company, cool stickers and cool prices. Look for them on Instagram at Daisy Sticker Co. and now on Etsy at Daisy Sticker Co. 1. They help bring you What's Up ABQ. And we're back. And <laughs> today, uh, today we have with us Erin O'Donnell, Dovetail <laughs> Community Workshop. You caught it right when she was taking a drink. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Oh, well. Quick recovery. Yeah. I know, I know. Well, that break was so short. Um, <laughs> um, so, again, it, it, it's, it's, it's awesome to be able to touch base with you again. And, and so one of the things that, that I've noticed, and I know that when I was with Lindsay, we noticed with the pandemic and with, you know, uh, sometimes people are open, sometimes people are closed, depending on what's going on. What are some ways that you guys have adapted to be able to kind of take this this crazy time by the horns it was kind of panic inducing when we first heard oh you can't let people in because i'm like that's what we're all about we were all about getting people out of you know their own garage with youtube so we're like huh okay guess we're going on youtube in a way we pivoted to doing some more online virtual classes so zoom and google meets and facebook live we've done them all where 
we're able to do something live where people can ask questions, you know, of our instructor or um, sometimes a resident and just walk them through a skill or a technique, something that can be discussed in like an hour, not a whole piece of furniture or anything, but we've done them on making box joints. So those are say if some people call them finger joints, but you might see them on the corner of a box or a drawer where it just, it comes together overlapping. And Mm -hmm. I know you guys maybe can see what I'm doing with my hands, there we go. So it's, we taught people how, how that's done over a virtual class. We did one on wood stains and finishes. So kind of walk people through all the varieties you know, available and what you want to use different ones for. So that translated really well to video. And one that we've started doing really on the regular with a little bit in person, but mostly virtual has been a class we've done for free for a few years already called All About Wood. And that's where we do talk about, you know, identifying woods, what different ones are good for, kind of learning the difference with domestic woods, exotic woods and all those. So we kind of just go go all the way through the things that get us excited about woods because we're nerds. And that one's a really good one to do virtually, too. So we're trying to identify better the things that translate well in that format. And again, it's I keep coming back a little bit to the cooking show analogy, but we've done a few in that way where you maybe have the building blocks of a project and then we show you what it looks like, you know, midway or maybe after glue up and then a final. So you can see it, you know, from ingredients to coming out of the oven. Maybe, you know, there's there's another uh, small business owner uh, right right here in town or somewhere in the state or whatever. What are some, some, some pieces of advice that you'd give them about how to adapt right now? Wow, I'm first I'm honored to be asked because a lot of the time we're still feeling like, how do we do this? But um, <laughs> yeah. if I can... Uh, be tapped as an expert today, I'll do my best here. So <laughs> I think that in in everything from the time we started, I always knew it was important to be flexible, period. And it's it's easier to do that when you're still kind of finding your feet because you're trying a lot of things anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think just going back to try something, see if it works, be creative, because we all are. You know, maybe it isn't a, another Zoom meeting because, I mean, we all a little Zoom fatigued. But what do you mean? You can do, we're, we're looking at things we can do as a make and take. So we put together a kit and you can grab it curbside, take it home and work on it. So and there might be some small things for holidays if we can't do uh, as many holiday projects as we had hoped in person. Um, I think it's just also looking around and seeing who is maybe similar to your business and using maybe some things that they've done to spark your own creativity or look at things from another perspective. So all great ideas are stolen. I mean, maybe Uh, a lot of them are. They're shared, not stolen. But it's good to, um, yeah, tap others and say, you know, walk, walk each other through it. Totally. I mean, I'm such a firm believer in, you know, reaching out for that kind of advice and guidance from someone else who maybe doesn't have to be exactly like you. There's not another community workshop owner here, but there are others in other cities that I've talked to. And there are other maker spaces here. So sometimes it's tough to be a little bit of a unicorn because you want someone who's been exactly where you are, but you know, be open-minded about who else may have a perspective that has been hard for you to find on your own. You know, when you did the last episode, you talked about learning, you know, how to use, you know, getting better on the lathe. So in the next year, what, what is your goal to like, to learn as a woodworker? Okay. 
I like that. I have a few goal projects, and I think the things I want to improve on now are joinery, joinery techniques for you know a little better piece of furniture. The projects that I want to get done are a new coffee table, which I probably said a year ago too, because I have this. <laughs> We're holding you thing to it. Yeah, is just mad, <laughs> and I need to replace it. So, but I want it to be. Of course, I want it to be kick-ass because you know, right? if, if someone comes in my house now and says, "Did you make that?" I better be able to say yes. You better awesome. say yes. No, <laughs> it's IKEA. Uh, whoops. The pressure's on. You know. Oh. I, I wish I could say everything in my house was made by me, but far from it. Yeah. Um, so you, I think, yeah, you, I, you heard I, it I here. Do, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's a good thing no one can come over right now. But let's say um, with my goals, probably. Or things like that would be um, mortise and tenon joinery and possibly even, yes, dovetail joints. Oh, um, man. Which, yeah, I named the shop after one of the most challenging <laughs> types of things you can do. It's the coffee table, and there's a few other things. I want to build a mantle for the fireplace that's out of local wood, as, as you remembered, Ryan. There go the dogs. All right. Getting, um, yeah, being able to use things that have been locally sourced and grown and there's a ton we don't have the big maples and oaks maybe that you would find back east or in the midwest right but there's some amazing stuff that's here that's quirky and weird and very unique and identifiable as southwestern i think what is your favorite type of wood to use right now and what is a wood that you would like to use that you've never done oh i like this question <laughs> um i really i love walnut um because it's beautiful and you can find so many different tones in the the color of the wood it can have a silvery quality it can have this deep rich espresso look to it so and it can have some beautiful figures so things that make it look rippled or shiny or you know almost 3d pieces so walnut just has character for days i love it i really enjoy a good spalted maple so that is Spalting is, as one of our instructors calls it, says it's a fancy word for rot. And it's where <laughs> the wood has begun to de yes, get destroyed I, by fungus after it's down. Yeah. And you catch it at the right time. And it, it's got this these great little black outlines in yeah. it that are just And then you lacquer it, really and it, great. and it really makes the black yeah. pop out. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You put a good shiny finish on it yeah. and everything's just like little bolts of lightning going through the, the blonde wood. Those are fun. And, you know, those are some really traditional classic domestic woods. Domestic meaning just they grow in North America. So I think that some, I'd like to do a little more with exotic woods on a small scale. A, they're expensive. So to build a whole big piece out of exotic woods is going to be like crazy expensive. But they make great accents in other pieces. And I think, you know, I've used a lot of purple heart and paduke, which purple heart is literally a purple wood. That's legitimately purple on the inside. It's a real tree that grows in South America. And then there's Paduke is a very uh, reddish orange um, when it's first cut. It's very bright, bright orange. And then it, it weathers to a deep red. And I think what else would I really like to work on, work with more? Maybe, um, actually, locally, we have so much sycamore. Sycamore is beautiful to work with. So it would be a lot of fun to do something. I'm thinking about it for some of my furniture that I have in mind. Because one of my neighbors last summer cut down three large sycamore trees and I got a few giant hunks of it, which I'm now having um, dried and slabbed 
eventually that's going to take about 18 months to dry but there may be some benches or maybe that mantle may come out of that piece of sycamore so I think that will be a fun one to play with once it's ready. Okay, so and then I have a a, a question that kind of kind of is a, is in the same realm here. Now, r- at the time of this recording, Chris is working on closing on a house in Borealis, and woo, exciting! And again, you know, I spent so much time in the Midwest where you know the older homes, Victorians have this amazing woodworking inside. Have people ever ever come in and, and they wanted to actually develop pieces for their house? So something built in, yeah. is that sort of more of what you're talking about? Yeah, like, like uh, an yes, accident. Like, yes, we have a thing that uh, we've had some folks interested in some kind of, uh, not crown molding, um, some other trim piece, trim work mm-hmm. to either replace or upgrade a feature wall with like different slats of wood. You've probably seen those sorts of things. Yeah. And a mantelpiece for sure. For sure, cabinetry. That's oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. we did a class this year on on making cabinets, and in fact, was in the shop yesterday making uh, drawers to go into those cabinets. So um, we get a lot of interest in more of those that you might think of more as a, a functional construction item more than fine woodworking, but you can certainly. Um, base them as fancy as you want Cool. <laughs> once you have the, the base piece down. So those are things that everything can be dressed up, of course. I had an old boss that had moved here from New York and he was a master carpenter and mm. uh, he was to the point where he built sets for Saturday Night Live. And oh, sweet. He was a breakaway specialist and he could make, like he, oh, he, made, yes. the, he made the coffee table that uh, Chris Farley went through and all that stuff. Do you guys get a lot of interest from the, the movie industry or the TV industry on making any like special pieces for you know like scenes and whatnot not yet but hello if you're listening we would love (laughs) to help with anything like that i have asked some of the folks i do know in in the business if that's something that i should uh, reach out and see if we can fulfill a need there and most of them do have their own carpentry shops but i'm told some independent studios or productions could possibly use you know what we have to offer and i'm a huge tv and movie geek Mm-hmm. I love all the production work that goes on here. I did a little background work, so I think that would be just a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, you to had to make them on, on they, things like that. They would sit there and work like sometimes twenty four hours straight, and uh, for, for stuff for stuff that had to be destroyed, you had to make three of them. You had to make one for oh for dress, one for show, and then one yeah. just in case. Yeah. So. Oh, of course you would. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's an um, on a deadline type yeah. deadline. Oh yeah, and then um, you could you would build sets like they would say we need seventeen sets built, and five went in the trash. Oh yeah, yeah, that would break my heart a little bit. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I can hear you cringing <laughs> from <Yeah>. here. <laughs> the one thing I did, uh, we did work on one thing for a movie crew person, and it was a makeup artist who had his favorite folding like director's chair style for makeup. Oh. Um, that had a lot of sentimental value, so it had gotten super wobbly. So he brought it to us, and and we got it, got the joints reinforced and a lot more stable, and did a little finish on it. So that's how you get your foot in the yeah. door, right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And so it's it's the kind of thing that I think, yeah, we would love to do more. Like I said, collaboration with a lot of other industries and businesses. I think, you know, that that's something we were very close to doing a lot more of before we got interrupted this year. 
and it's still for sure on our agenda. Okay, to kind of shift gears here, and I know last time I already asked you the big question, red or green, for people listening right now, well, the holidays have, have all but wrapped up. What is something sure. very New Mexican that you look forward to when it comes to food for the holidays? Tamales and pozole mm. for sure. Biscuitos. I even saw a meme yesterday that had like four quadrants of New Mexican Christmas. And it was those things, Mexican hot chocolate. I think all of that is, although I'm not from here, also, you know, a Midwesterner, but um, it's just so great to develop that as a, that association with those things now as holiday traditions to where they do now make me think of holidays when I see them. So I think it's something we're super lucky to have here that in most U.S. states, I mean, everybody maybe has their traditions, but they're not, they're not as cool as ours. We, we've lucked out over here. So, and then I also have to ask, you know, because I, I, did 10 years in the Midwest myself, were noodles a big deal where you were living? Oh, I wouldn't say so. Okay, no, all right. Where, where I'm from, I know you're talking like a year round or a holiday thing. Well, I can't. Missouri, Illinois, and those who are from Missouri, oh. Illinois listening right now, they know what I'm talking about. The handmade noodles in like the turkey sauce. Oh. What? Oh, I know. Okay, and okay. everyone here is like, what? But like, they're like, they're like, you don't know about that? Like, that is the thing. Okay. Now, the chicken noodle, mm-hmm. yeah, that that now you're bringing it back. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. more from childhood for me, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> the stuff where, where I'm from is all real German-based. Okay. So okay. it's a lot of bread stuffed with meat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In different versions, yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> Protein and carbs all day. Chris, do you have a favorite, like, New Mexico holiday thing to eat? Well, I mean, you definitely have to talk about mashed potatoes with red chili instead of gravy. I mean, that's definitely a thing. But other than that, no, I'm not a big turkey guy. I I prefer ham. That's me, which is, you know. Do you put mustard on your ham? I I don't don't know if these words you're talking about. Mustard? No, no, no. It's it's an ass. No. (laughs) No. I I don't think he's a monster. Uh, (laughs) Right. I I might be the monster here. (laughs) I, I hate to bring this up from somebody else, but... Last night, my girlfriend and I got Thanksgiving pizza what? from a local place. Okay. And it oh. looked and sounds disgusting, right? but it was absolutely amazing. What, where'd you get this from? Richie B's Pizza. Okay. And it had mashed potatoes, cranberry sauce, ham, and turkey on it huh. and stuffing. And it was wow. good. Yes. It was excellent. Huh. Must, like, did, did it have like the pizza sauce? No. Or was that no. what the cranberries did? Uh, so they they had clumps of mashed potatoes on the slice. Like the slice is about as big as a medium pizza. They have really big slices. Mm-hmm. And they had clumps of mashed potatoes. And then they would put the cranberry and the uh, ham and everything kind of like all around the mashed potatoes. And it was just like different clumps. Like there was like four clumps on one slice. It, I'm sure it, clump is the word they use in their marketing. Right. They probably did. Yeah. Or, you know, just like, quote. I don't know a better word, but like, it, you know, I looked at it and I was like, I don't know. And then I took a bite and like everything just like, you know, merged together wow. just the right way and definitely would get it again. I no idea. No, me neither. You know, and then they had a, then they had a, a pumpkin uh, cannolis as well. Okay. Also excellent. Oh, I, I would, I would be down yeah. for that. Okay. Pumpkin spice cannoli. Uh, right. Now, I used to live in Las Vegas, Nevada, and there was a great local chain of sandwich shops called Capriati's. So shout out any Vegas people here. And they have a year-round sandwich called the Bobby, which is Thanksgiving dinner 
in a sandwich. Okay. And it's the mashed potatoes, cranberry, turkey, there's something else in there, maybe the stuffing. Yeah. And it it's excellent. It's not as creative as putting it on a pizza, but it's it's in there. No, I, I totally get that, though. Uh, uh, Thirsty Eye has an, a time where we're recording this. It just it just released. They have a Biscuit Cheeto beer. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did see that. Which is really good. Like, I don't know how they do it. It, it must be like the, the anise or something. Huh. But it's really stinking good. I okay. I need to go and get some. That's a, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I'm going to need some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? <laughs> I think, too, um... You know, I should say that in addition to the food, just the other holiday um, sights and sounds here, I really love because it's mm-hmm. it's so much. When I think of New Mexico holidays, it's kind of everything's a candle glow yeah. uh, feel to it with mm-hmm. the luminarias and river lights. Um, yeah, uh, river lights and and even Old just towns. I I think for me weirdly I do have this strong New Mexico holiday association because before we moved here, we did spend a lot of holidays here with family yeah yeah and so this was the time of year i was used to being here Mm -hmm. and so when it rolls around again it's like oh yeah i get super nostalgic again this was our the place we traveled to and now we just stay and hang out I, I totally get that because I would come back from college and then and it would always be, you know, Christmas time. All the luminarios are all out, you know, like if we go rock around Old Town. And I think I've said before here, but some one of my favorite like ex, like experiences in New Mexico is be able to walk around Old Town Christmas Eve with everything lit up. You know, the big giant tree is there. You get yourself some, some hot chocolate. You get yourself a tamale from a street vendor. Like that's just, that is it in my head. And it's nowhere else. No, it's no. nowhere else. It's no. so amazing. Yeah, you do the Luminaria tour and, uh-huh. and uh, the country club area, you know, River yeah. Lights. Yeah. gorgeous. The Twinkle Light Parade. Mm-hmm. My light, daughters were in that one year. The, the lighting of the fun. Christmas tree in Old Town. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, now I'm sad because yeah. we won't be this year. But yeah, right. I, for one, I'm willing to do that so that we can do it next year. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll sacrifice. Yeah. Oh, now we brought it all down to a big <laughs> I think it was it was all Ryan. I, I didn't it was know. I'll I'll take the blame and the credit or whatever it is. <laughs> Holidays, I blame, I blame Ryan. It's, it's my fault. It's the mood. It is me. <laughs> Okay, so um, we're, we're getting near near the end of our show. Uh, is there anything else that you would encourage people uh, about about dovetail, about woodworking, uh, about you know figuring out how to adapt right now? Community, the works. I would say number one that I, I always like to reinforce that we're we're very open to the novice, and we want you to learn and work safe from the start. So people think that they need to be experts to come in, and it's not the case. But we do want to help you start where you're at and level up, and we have ways that we, we can do that. So I tell everyone, don't be intimidated. We hear all the time from people who ask uh, about cutting off fingers, so you guys can see. <laughs> yeah. there's I got 10. Okay. She has 10 fingers. We, we, we promise you she has all 10 fingers. Do you guys have that table saw where the, you move the hot dog towards it and it shuts off? Uh, I don't. I covet oh. Uh, getting one of those yeah. and just, you know, look for a GoFundMe soon and oh, nice. maybe get one of those in there. But that's why we're just so super safety conscious and oriented. And one thing I would say, so if there are any experts or professionals out there who use the tools all the time, I tell them this when they come in, they still have to go through orientation. So I tell them, don't get complacent, don't get in a hurry. And that's when things happen. I have a new member who was in last week and 
he is an ER doctor and he actually reinforced what I said about don't get in a hurry and don't be complacent. He said, when he has seen shop injuries come into the ER, it is almost universally someone who's been doing it a long, long time. So those are the people more at risk of um, not taking precautions because they've been doing it this way for so long. So we do have to unteach some habits some people have formed. But for the most part, if you understand how, how the physics work of what we're doing and just follow the rules, everyone's really safe. We have a great safety record and um, I intend to keep it that way. So a little bit of a, a bunny trail for me there. But yeah, if that's the thing you're worried about, we're very proud of how safe people do work where we are. This, this, is, this is great. And, and it's been awesome to be able to reconnect and, you know, we're looking forward to seeing, you know, what comes this spring. Yeah. And we're excited to still continue to branch out and try new things ourselves. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, thank thanks, you. you guys. It's great to meet Chris and talk to you again, Ryan, and love the show. Love what you do for our community. Do you like food? I mean, like really like food? I know I do. This is Matt, the fat guy behind the Fat Guy Eats podcast. I started this podcast because I love food. And that's what Fat Guy Eats is all about. Why we eat it, the artists that create and serve it, the politics and social practices surrounding it, and so much more. I'm going to talk with some great people along the way, and we'll probably enjoy some fantastic meals together, too. And don't forget to follow along on Instagram by following at FatGuyEatsNM. That's at FatGuyEatsNM. What's Up ABQ is a proud member of the Barillas Podcasters Guild. 